Everybody loves the touchdown. Throws to the back of the end zone, and it is touchdown by Holmes. The grand slam. Fly ball to center field. Ethier has done it again. It's a grand slam. The buzzer beater. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! But how did those players get to that moment? And who built the venue and signed the contracts? We dig into the business side of sports and give you the answers. This is Sports Business Radio, powered by Postano. Now, from our studios in Portland, Oregon, with Sports Business Radio, here's your host, Brian Berger. Thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports on a global scale. We're excited to be powered by Postano. Follow them online at Pastano.com or on Twitter at Pastano. You can visit my sports business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. Follow me on Twitter at SB Radio. Coming up on the show today, Kevin Mawai, a 16-year NFL vet. He's a nominee for the 2015 Pro Football Hall of Fame. He's the former president of the NFL Players Association. He has some great insight into the dynamic between NFL players and Commissioner Roger Goodell and Roger Goodell and NFL owners. You'll enjoy the conversation in-depth with Kevin Mawai coming up on today's show. Joined in studio by Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? I'm doing great. I uh, love uh, the fall time. We got MLB playoffs heating up and football, and hey, fall in Portland is nice. Yeah, it is nice, and uh, it's nice to have seasons. I used to live in Los Angeles, yes. and there weren't seasons there, so no. uh, we like pumpkin patch hunting yep, and uh, yep. everything else, so it's it's pretty cool. Let's talk about some headlines for the week. The FCC is in the NFL's business, and I don't think the NFL is going to like it. First, they sacked the sports blackout rule that's been around for several decades. Basically, this rule says that if you don't sell out your game, the broadcast cannot air locally in your market. It only came into play twice last season in the NFL, so it's not something that happens often because the NFL does sell out most of their games, but the FCC is in the NFL's business. The other story with the FCC and the NFL this week is that there is talk that they could restrict broadcasters from using the nickname Redskins over the air. So... Again, anytime the government's in your business, Griggs, uh, it's not a good thing. It's been a tough month for the NFL. I mean, just everything going on, and then now you've got FCC t- tackling you, potentially IRS thing with taxes and all that. I mean, it's it's been a kind of a mess, and it doesn't look like it's getting any better anytime soon for them. Yeah, like you mentioned, uh, NFL, a lot of people don't know this, tax-exempt. So is Congress going to look into that? There's been talk about that. Uh, we'll follow these stories closely. NFL does have a new deal with DirecTV. A lot of people excited about that. Our next headline, uh, another dysfunctional mess in sports this week. The University of Michigan sending out a press release from their AD at 1 in the morning, Griggs. Anytime you send out a press release in the middle of the night, <laughs> it's usually not to share good news. No, definitely not. And uh, it's kind of like, can we slide this under everybody not noticing that we're sending this out? Because, uh, yeah, Michigan, it's a, another big university with some issues, and uh, I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon either. There have been people that have called for the jobs of Brady Hoke, the head football coach for the athletic director. A lot of people critical of the handling of the Michigan quarterback. They think he had a concussion and he should have been taken out of the game. I've seen the video, and it certainly looked like he was pretty yeah. dazed and confused and probably shouldn't have been sent back into the game. And I'm a layperson watching on TV, so you wonder how they don't know, how the doctors don't know, and how that kid's allowed back on the football field. Scary stuff. Michael Phelps, 
Decorated Olympian arrested for DUI and speeding this week. This has happened to Michael Phelps before he's gotten a DUI, before it was a long time ago. Uh, we also remember those pictures of him uh, at a frat party with the big bong, <laughs> and he lost tens of millions of dollars in endorsements after those pictures hit the internet. And you have to wonder if you're a current sponsor of Michael Phelps or you were someone who was considering signing Michael Phelps, how does the news this week impact your decision. Well, and here's the thing with Phelps, too. He's not like a LeBron or somebody that's, you know, Kobe, where they're they're playing a bunch of games. They're in front of everybody all the time. You know, it's Olympics. And then he goes away. You don't hear about Phelps for a couple of years. Right. And then he comes back for the two weeks at the Olympics, and then he's gone again. So it's like, you know, if, for him especially, these are big, big mistakes because he just doesn't have the exposure like some of these other athletes. Yeah, we'll follow that story as well. Uh, more mess in Oakland. The Raiders fire head coach Dennis Allen. He was eight and twenty-eight, zero and four this season. They haven't even been competitive. Tony Sperano is named the interim coach. There's a lot of people that want Chucky to come home. John Gruden, but you know, if you're a coach, Griggs, why would you take that job? Their stadium is up in the air. You don't know where you're going to be playing. The front office is always in turmoil. Uh, people change jobs all the time there in Oakland. And if I'm John Gruden or any other coach with a reputation, I'm looking at that going, this is not a stable situation. It's a revolving door. There's still a Davis that owns the team, Mark Davis, son of Al. And that's the consistency with the dysfunction. So, you know, I don't know that they're going to get anyone good unless they were to say, okay, John Gruden or someone else, we're handing the entire football operations over to you, much like Seattle's done with Pete Carroll and uh, San Francisco did do a degree with Jim Harbaugh and there's some other coaches that have kind of that GM coach control. I think that's what you need in Oakland if you're going to get someone of the caliber of John Gruden. You're, you're exactly right. It's got to be somebody that has full reins to change it and make it their own and there's too many people involved right now in Oakland and too many, like you said, turnover. It's a new guy every time you turn around and the stadium situation and look at the market. They're in California. I mean, you got San Francisco, you got the other teams that are doing amazing and know what they're doing and then you've got Oakland that's just going down the drain. It's crazy. Well, and you look across the bay, you know, San Francisco's got the new, brand new, spanking new stadium, state of the art, and Oakland is playing in a dump, and they're (laughs) sharing it with the Oakland A's. Neither tenant is happy, the A's or the Raiders, because the A's want baseball only, the Raiders want football only. So it's really a mess there, and I don't know that they're going to get anyone good. Uh, Last headline of the week that we'll talk about, Major League Baseball playoffs are underway. The NL wildcard game between the Pirates and the Giants drew a record for a wildcard game. 5.6 million viewers tuned in to ESPN. A lot of people watched the AL wildcard game, which was a classic between Kansas City and Oakland on are on TBS. Uh, I love Pedro Martinez's uh, Who's Your Daddy and his commentary. So uh, that was fun to watch as well post game. But uh, baseball playoffs underway. Who do you like, Griggs? You know, it's great. Those games were both, especially that uh, Casey, the Royals game was great just because the crowd, was, you know, seeing them completely out of it when it was 7 3 yeah. late and then coming back and it was just insane. So that was a fun game to watch. I love the wild card being the one game. That's all you got. You know, yeah. if you want in, you win it. If you don't, you're done. I love that. I think. I think Dodgers are probably my team to see if they go. I don't. I don't really. I just don't know. I don't. It's anybody's game. I mean, everybody's kind of peaking right now. Giants playing great. You know, they've smashed the Pirates. So who knows? I'm going freeway series. I'm going the Dodgers and Angels. Yes. And I'm basing that mostly on bullpens. I like mm-hmm. their bullpens. I don't trust Detroit's bullpen. I don't trust Washington's bullpen. 
I don't know that I trust Baltimore's bullpen. So I look around and I, I look at bullpens and so many times in the playoffs it comes down to who's got the strongest bullpen, who can get outs at the end of a game, matchups. And I, I like the Dodgers and the Angels, but we'll see. What do I know? All right, coming up next, Kevin Mawai. Again, 16-year NFL vet nominee for the 2015 Pro Football Hall of Fame. But for the purposes of this show, Sports Business Radio, he's the former president of the NFL Players Association and was in the room in 2011 when there was a contentious lockout and negotiation between the owners and the players. What's the dynamic between the players and Roger Goodell? Do they respect Roger Goodell? Do they want him out? What's the dynamic between the owners and Roger Goodell? We'll talk to Kevin Mawai coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Stay in the know at sportsbusinessradio.com. Podcasts, blogs, and more powered by Postano. SBR will be right back. Hi, it's Brian Berger. Here at Sports Business Radio, we are proud to work with our partners, Pastano. They make a sports-proven visual marketing platform that I've personally been amazed to see. Teams like the Dallas Cowboys, Boston Red Sox, LA Kings, and Cleveland Cavaliers all use Pastano to engage their fans. When sports teams and fans tell their stories together, amazing things can happen. Every fan has a story. Whether you want to put selfies on the Jumbotron, create a dynamic social media command center, or activate a hashtag campaign on your website, Pastano can design an amazing social experience true to your brand. Even better, using the Pastano platform can pay for itself through selling sponsorships. As an example, the Kings sell sponsor space to Toyota and other clients and run the ads using Pastano. Want to see what your team's social content could look like? Schedule a demo today. Go to pastano.com slash sports. If you're a fan of this podcast, you understand the real power of engaging your fans. And these guys get it. That is P-O-S-T-A-N-O dot com. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. My guest is Kevin Mawai. He's a 16-year NFL veteran. He's now retired, six-time Pro Bowler. He's a semifinalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2015. Kevin also served as president of the NFL Players Association for two terms. Kevin, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Before, it was eight-time Pro Bowler, so six with the Jets and two with the Titans. Oh, so, see, I, I already, I already got that wrong. Well, you're a, a, an accomplished player because if you're uh, up for consideration for the Hall of Fame, that's all you need to know. Um, congratulations on that, by the way. That's uh, fantastic. Is that one of the proudest moments of your career? When you reflect back on your career, what are your proud moments? Well, I you know, look back at my career, just the longevity of 16 years is something to to be proud about. And, you know, a lot of guys don't make it past three years, you know, and I here I am, I had a 16 year career and I, you know, I, I was a starter every year and, um, you know, longevity was something that, that a lot of guys you know, earned you a lot of respect around the league. And, um, uh, so that's one of the things I was most proud about. Um, the off the field, my proudest moments were with the NFLPA and, and, you know, signing a new collective bargaining agreement as the president. And so there's so many things that, uh, we look back on just, you know, great moments, great teammates and things like that. But, uh, but, uh, yeah, the, the Hall of Fame, that's definitely up there at the top. It's something that you go into, you know, playing a game, just wanting to be the best you can be and, and let the chips fall where they may. And, and to have my name as, as one of the, you know, on the list this year and the first time in, uh, 
eligibility guy. You know, it's it's a humbling but uh, yet exciting uh, exciting thing to be a part of. When do they get back to you and let you know officially if you've uh, made the Hall class for 2015? Uh, well, there's a cut down again in November, the way I understand it. Um, nobody's called me, it's just what I've read. So there's a cut down in, in November. And if you make that list of 25, I think is what the number is, and then they they let you know the week of the Super Bowl. So the you know Super Bowl 2015 or right before that, you find out if if you're one of the guys. And uh, so we'll just see, play it out, and see. There's so many deserving guys on that list on the first year eligibility guys, and in addition, in addition to all the guys that have been on that list for you know for the last several years. So. It's great company just to be mentioned in the name, same breath as some of those men. Well, we wish you the best of luck, and you're very deserving to be on that list. Let's talk for a moment about your leadership role with the NFLPA. Again, you are the president of the NFL Players Association. Explain to our listeners the responsibilities that you had and how often you met with owners and your uh, contingency of players. Yeah, you know, being the president of the PA – you know, basically, you're the voice of all 2,200 active players. You know, it's your job to make sure you understand all the issues that pertain to the collective bargaining agreement, what's going on in the NFL. You know, you have a, a, a hand in a little bit of everything that happens with the PA in regards to, you know, players, agents, and the business of running the PA. And, um, you know, so there's a lot going on. And, you know, understanding that the PA has people that, that do the business for the PA and that you don't have to be the guy all the time. Um, you know, the most interesting thing for me was going through the negotiations, but I took over in a time where, you know, um, Gene Upshaw had passed away. And so I was, uh, key and led the search process to find the new executive director, which became D Smith. And, and then from there, um, you know, had to give an account to members of Congress about that process and, Testified on Capitol Hill on a, on a court case that could have affected negatively impacted the players of the NFL. Um, and then obviously the lockout situation and, and the negotiations of the CBA. And, and that was pretty neat when you get to sit across the table from the owners and, you know, Robert Kraft and Jerry Jones and, you know, Spanos and, and the men of the NFL, um, to hammer out a deal that seemed right for everybody. So a lot of learning going on, a lot of great memories and a, a lot of stress. <laughs> so like you said, you were president of the NFL Players Association during the 2011 lockout. From afar, it seems like the bad blood that developed between the players and Commissioner Roger Goodell has carried over to present day. You see former player, now ESPN analyst Mark Schlereth said after Goodell's recent press conference that most current and former players in the NFL don't trust Roger Goodell. What do you think players think of Roger Goodell? Do they trust him? I, you know, I think Mark Schlereth, uh, his statement is true. I think the majority of the players do not trust him. And um, when you have a commissioner who who's hell-bent on uh, being, you know, the judge, you know, jury and executioner all in one with not, no chance of, uh, parole or appeal, then it's, it's frustrating. They've never seen, I think, a lot of players' eyes to be any consistency in the penalties and, and the punishments that he handed down. And with, uh, little wiggle room when it came to his ability or, you know, decision making processes. And then I think also his inability or, um, not inability, but his his unwillingness 
to see some of the power that he has throughout the negotiations process has come back to bite him a little bit. Um, you know, for the players and, and, and as it pertains to off the season issue, I mean, off the field issues and the drug policies and stuff like that, the biggest issue for the players has always been that the commissioner held too much power and um, trying to yield some of that power back from him was a difficult thing during negotiations. But as we see now, um, we're where we wanted to be you know, five, four years ago during the negotiations process, but it's at the detriment of the commissioner's office. One of my biggest problems with Roger Goodell, and you just mentioned this, is the inconsistency with his rulings on everything from Spygate with the Patriots to Bountygate with the New Orleans Saints to this two-game suspension that he originally handed down to Ray Rice. I've always wondered this. Are players clear that if X is done, Y will be the consequence? Because it seems like such a gray area to me. They, they, you know, and, and everything that there is in the NFL, you know, when it comes to fines, it's pretty cut and dry. You know, uniform violations, uh, you, know, um, you know, things that happen on the field, you know, cut blocks or illegal blocks and some of those kind of situations are pretty cut and dry. If you're late for a meeting, there's a fine schedule if you lost your playbook. But when it comes to uh, judgmental calls like, you know, helmets to the face or hits to the head, things that aren't quite clear, and especially off the field issues, there is no cut and dry. We know what's going to happen if I do X, Y, Z, because there is no, there's no process in place. You just kind of fall at the mercy of the commissioner's office and whatever he thinks. And he'll tell you that, that he's met with people in the community and people in the know and, and this precedent, you know, the set that he uses, but that's stuff that the players, things that the players don't know anything about. So they don't know what the consequences are going to be. And, and one guy might do like get a DWI this week and another guy gets one next week and the punishments might be completely different for either one of them. It, you know, fair it's the same situation, the same type of scenario, but it's based on facts and information supposedly that the commissioner has that the players don't know about. And, and that's a frustrating process for a player who has no idea, especially for a professional athlete who knows, you know, this is what I do, you know, regimented schedules, regimented, you know, times of days where I'm at, what I need to do. And then you have all of a sudden an arbitrary kind of issue that you're in the dark until you get a FedEx package on Wednesday mornings. Do you think if players knew the concrete discipline actions that would be taken by the commissioner's office, that it would curtail some of the off-the-field misbehaviors, whether it's domestic violence or, or other misbehaviors? I think if there were concrete, detailed you know, consequences, this is what happens when you do this, then players would be more aware of it. You wouldn't have, you wouldn't have, the, the, you know, you wouldn't have these drawn-out legal processes and, and drawn-out appeal processes. Mm. You did this, you did this, and right. that's it. And and um, I think you know, players operate. I think people in general operate better when that's the when that's the case. When they're cut and dry, as opposed to leaving it up to some arbitrary person to decide your fate. My guest is Kevin Mawai, 16-year NFL veteran, also served as the president of the NFL Players Association for two terms. To date, the NFL owners have supported NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell during this crises. I've always said that most of the owners are concerned with the money first and foremost, and as long as the revenues remain high and no high-profile sponsors leave the NFL, then Roger Goodell's job is safe because the NFL has enjoyed record profitability during Goodell's tenure. You had a front-row seat 
during your tenure as NFLPA president to see what that relationship is between Goodell and the owners. Give us some insight on that relationship. Is he just the front guy for the owners and the deliverer of the bad news? What's that relationship like? Yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. He works for the owners. He's the voice of the owners. And you know, there are times during negotiations where Roger was in the room, but at the end of the day, he didn't make the decisions in the negotiation process. They had to go back to the owners and talk to it. And so when we hammered the deal out and got the deal done back in you know, June of 2011, Roger wasn't in the room to make that deal final. It was the owners, Jerry Jones, Robert Kraft, uh, Spanos, Clark Hunt, um, you know, uh, the Rooney's, the Rooney's, those are the guys that made the decisions. And so, you know, Rogers, Rogers been appointed and been hired to be the face of the league in, in, in every situation to, to make the league profitable and viable come business. And, um, but yeah, I agree that, you know, if, if the NFL starts losing profitability and, and profit margins, then that's when Rogers job becomes, uh, you know, up in the air. But, but he is, he, he at the end of the day, his, job is to carry the voice uh, of the owners just like d smith's job is to carry the voice and the the you know, the call of the players that's his job to implement those things and and that's all he is um now i'll be he's a very well-paid man to do that and and he's done a great job on the business aspect of it where he's failed as the commissioner is how he handles player discipline and player relations yeah look at someone like adam silver who now is the commissioner of the nba and when i look at him and he got up at his press conference to talk about Donald Sterling. I believe that he led the entire NBA, not just the owners, but that he was there representing the players as well. I don't get that feeling when I listen to Roger Goodell. Do the players feel like, oh, he's just the representative for the owners and, you know, D. Smith, like you said, is, is our guy and Roger Goodell doesn't really have our best interest? That's exactly what the way it is. He, he is them, you know, and, and, you know, they as long as the NFL has been around, there's been the players and then there's been the owners. There's no been mingling in between and, 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 you know, it, he represents the management and he'll tell you, I, I work for the, you know, I work for the players and the owners, but the players know that he works for the owners. When it comes down to it, you know, the owners sign his checks and, and he's, it's his job to do what they want him to do, not what the players want him to do. And, and, uh, and it's all, and then, you know, same thing with D. D works for the players. He gets paid by the players. He works for the players. He gets paid by the player association. And, um, there's a clear delineation between the two. And, uh, you know, and at no point does any player really believe that Roger's working for the players. He's working for the shield. And he'll tell you his job is to protect the shield and to protect the, the NFL. And, and, um, and players, uh, make it very clear that they understand that. It's obviously been a turbulent last few weeks in the NFL with the Ray Rice, the Adrian Peterson, Greg Hardy, a few others making headlines for domestic violence incidents. If you were still leading the NFL Players Association, how would you address the overall issue of domestic violence in the NFL, but also protect the process by which the players are disciplined? Yeah, you know, and, and, and this is where you know, you got to walk a delicate line between your personal feelings on any given matter and, and the process that the players are, you know, the due process that the players are, are allowed, and, right. you know, should have. And, you know, for me, I, I have no tolerance for guys that, that keep running amok and are afoul of the law in the NFL. I have no tolerance for guys that, that, uh, you know, continue to be the bad guys, you know, the guys that we hear about all the time. And, 
And I'm of the opinion, personal personal opinion that you got to go. You know, uh, you know. And Chris Carter said it best. You know, kick him out of the league. And and that's kind of the way I feel on those issues. Um, if you can't handle your business, you know, in your whole entire life, and 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 you know, you represent more than just you. You represent the NFL. You represent every player in the NFL. And so when a guy goes out and does something boneheaded and stupid, and it's a continual pattern. What happens is he continues to perpetuate the stereotype that I don't like to be part of and that most of the players don't want to be put in that category. And, and so I'm of the opinion, get him out, you know, give him the heave-ho and go find somebody else. Bar- Barcells used to always say there's 10 more at the bus station waiting to get your job. <laughs> and um, and uh, so I totally believe in that. But I also believe that, that you don't just convict a guy and, and without him going through the process and understanding what it is and, and giving him – the right to go through that process afforded to him through the collective bargaining agreement that management has agreed upon. And, and, um, so, you know, if his, his actions have called for him to get, get suspended, then he has the right to appeal the suspension. But that's where the big issue comes into because you're appealing the suspension to the same guy that just gave you the suspension. Right. And that's where the biggest issues have come. And that you're just going to beg for mercy from the same guy that just put the hammer down on you. And, and so that's what the biggest argument is, that there is no really due process when the process is you land right in front of the feet of the same guy that put you in that position in the first place. If you found out that Roger Goodell or someone from the NFL saw that second Ray Rice videotape of the punch in the elevator, despite the fact that the league is vehemently denied seeing that second tape, you think Roger Goodell should be removed as commissioner? Absolutely. There's absolutely no doubt he should be gone. I mean, sit there and lie. And I'm not saying he did lie, but to say that he didn't and find out that later on that he did, yeah, you got to go. You you just it destroyed anything, any integrity that you had. Uh, about what you're doing and the position that you hold. And with that integrity being gone, then it's time for you to go and go find somebody else that can handle the job and not be swayed by by pressure and, and those kinds of things. But, again, you know, this investigation, this internal investigation that's, that's going on, um, I, you know, the conspiracy theorist in me is going to say that, that they're going to find that his words are true and, and that uh, he really didn't know. But... You know, again, I think 99.9% of people in America that saw the first tape didn't have to see a second tape to know what happened inside that elevator. So, um, you know, it's just kind of, you keep spinning your wheels. Yeah, I mean, when you see Ray Rice get two games and then you see Josh Gordon get a season for uh, smoking marijuana, basically, it just, I think the average person looks at that and scratches their head and says, what? This just doesn't add up. Yeah, you know, and, and, you know, like I live in South Louisiana. There's chemical plants all over the place here. And, you know, and it's so funny because here you test positive on drug tests, you get kicked out of the job. You smack your wife or child or whatever, you maintain your job. Hmm. And, uh, and so it's quite the opposite in the real world than, and than what it is in the fantasy world of being an NFL athlete. And, and yeah, you can smoke all the dope you want and get suspended for the whole season. But, you know, in the past, you commit a felony and you're playing the next week. You know, it's it's just a backwards kind of rule of a backwards world where that, you know, in, in normal society outside the walls of professional athletics, you know, what you get suspended for in football will cost you your job and livelihood in the real world. 
Just a few minutes left with Kevin Mawai, 16-year NFL vet. He also served as president of the NFL Players Association. Um, let's talk about the dynamic in the NFLPA after longtime union leader Gene Upshaw passed away in 2008. Demore Smith now leading the union. You know, I know people had such great respect for Gene Upshaw and um, such an accomplished player himself. How did the NFL Players Association change for for better or for worse after Gene Upshaw died? Well, well, first, you know, prior to Gene passing away, there was a lot of behind-the-scenes issues taking place, um, not regarding Gene, but the, uh, uh, a small group of players who were trying to force Gene out. And um, so that was a, a tumultuous time. That's when I took over as the PA and, Unfortunately, kind of squashed that whole coup uprising, and um, and then you know, of course, Gene passed away six months later, and and then it became a process of who's next. Um, I think one of the issues when Gene was alive was that he didn't have a second in command who would have naturally stepped up to that role, and uh, and that's what was happening. They were forcing him, trying to force him to name Troy Vincent as the number two guy. And um and a majority of the players didn't want that to take place and um and so you know Gene passed away I became the president and it was, became my job to to lead the search process for the new executive director and uh, you know a lot of, there were segment of players that felt like it needed to be a football guy um and I'll be honest there's there's a, a strong Troy Vincent backing that he should have been the player and there's a just extremely strong backing that he was the wrong guy to lead the league. Of the NFLPA, and and then there was a, a, a I think the common thread between both sides was that you know there's possibility that we need somebody that's from outside the NFL world that can view everything with a different a different viewpoint and see things from outside the box and and um so as that process played along we had some very talented uh, men who were capable of doing the job but at the end of the day these the ones who stood out like you know just stood out and shone through everybody to be the guy and. And, you know, we were, keep in mind, we were headed into a process where we knew we were going to get locked out. The NFL had already opted out of the, the old collective bargaining agreement. And we wanted somebody who could be sharp in negotiations. And, and we wanted the guy that was going to be the smartest guy in the room. And, um, and we did that. We hired D. And, of course, there's always going to be people who don't like your decisions. And, you know, you can please all the people some of the time and some of the people all the time. But you can't please all the people all the time. And whether it was Gene or D Smith or whoever might take the job down the road. Um, there's always going to be some people that aren't happy about how things are done. And, and, uh, I've always taken a stance. If you don't like the way things are, then you become a part of the process. It's easy to be a Monday morning quarterback or armchair quarterback. If you don't want to get your feet dirty and, and, uh, but you know, I will never complain about D. I hired him. I'm the one who got him elected. I hired him and I think he's doing a phenomenal job. Is it me or has he been purposely uh, quiet during the last month or so as the NFL has gone through crises? I can see where he'd want to just kind of sit back and, and, you know, watch everything unfold and then make sure that his players are getting their due process. Is that kind of what his plan is right now? That's, yeah, you know, when when you see somebody going through, look, uh, the NFL PA is taking their lumps and, and, and how to, you know, fight through some issues and, and now it's the NFL's turn, and exactly, you know, knowing D and, and how he operates, that's exactly he's sitting back, he's watching, he's letting letting Roger take his lumps, he's taking notes, and 
but there's never a point where where he's not thinking two you know two moves ahead and and so you know there's always there's always uh something going on in his mind and and you know and I can tell you this Eric Winston and the executive committee of the PA are always in tune with with the executive director and that's one of the biggest differences I think now between when Gene was there that that the leadership of the union um, from the player leadership of the union is in lockstep most of the time with the executive director. Well, a lot of times Gene acted unilaterally or maybe just one or two people on the executive committee knew what he was doing. But um, since Dee's been a part of the process, he's always made it a priority, number one, that the players are actually ones making decisions, and he's just kind of guiding it. And then once he gets the decisions made from the players, then he runs with it. And, um, um, but uh, that's kind of how Dee works. Changing topics for a moment. The NFL is a $9 billion a year league. Is the league doing enough for retired players like yourself who have given so many, you know, years in the blood, sweat, and tears to the league? You know, I, I see these settlements and I just kind of shake my head and go, wow, I think they can do more. Um, where do you stand on that? Yeah, I, I always think the league can do more. As viable as a business model the NFL is and the amount of money that they are making, um, there's always the ability to do more from the NFL's part. And, and um, you know, for me as a retired player, I don't need anything. I'm, I'm happy. You know, I got a good retirement. You know, I came into the NFL when the entire pension retirement package was different, where it was better than the players prior to the – the 80, the 93 agreement and certainly a lot better than when the pre 59ers played and, and in the seventies. So, you know, my only disappointment is for me is that, you know, I, you know, September 1st began the clock for my last year of health coverage. So within a year's time, September 1st of 2015, I have no more health care as far as, you know, insurance for myself and my family. So I got to make a decision. What do I do? Do I get a job where I got it just because of the health insurance or do I pay out of pocket for it? But outside of that, for me and guys that played during my time, you know, retirement's not bad. Um, but, you know, again, with a $765 million payout for the concussion lawsuit, I thought that was hush money. I think, you know, that that was a way for them to just kind of seal the books and, and not ever have to discuss what they knew. And they did it. You know, it's um, unfortunate for a lot of the guys or even for the business of the NFL that, that had they taken it to the mat when it came to the lawsuit, they would have been able to get full disclosure on everything that the NFL's known about concussions since since way back. And um, that's something that they will never find out or don't have to find out on. But um, there's always something more that can be done. I think you know um, the misconception is that the NFL pays for everything for retired players and for retirement packages and benefits. But the reality of it is that what pays for pensions and retirement 401s for the NFL players is comes out of the players cut of total revenue in the CBA. And, and so once the money split, they get their part and the players get their part. Then the players carve out the part that goes to retirement and pension and, and, and post career benefits and, and not the NFL. And um, that's something that a lot, that a lot of people don't realize and don't understand. Well, I don't understand that at all. And it's shocking to me. You know, I know there's other leagues and if you play in the league for X number of years, let's say it's five years or 10 years, you played 16 years in the NFL. The fact that on September 1st of 2015, you need to secure new health insurance and that they don't cover you as a longtime player in the NFL for the rest of your life. It's inconceivable to me that a nine billion dollar a year league 
wouldn't take care of one of their ex-players who played so long in the league. Do you see a day where maybe that changes and they say, because I've read some stories and, you know, I've heard some people talking about, well, maybe they just decide that they are going to cover the retired players insurance uh, for the rest of their lives. Yeah. I, you know, I, I really, I don't know, but you know, and, and you know, the, the difference between the NFL and all the other major league sports leagues is there's so many of us. There's, there's 2,200 active players every year. And, and there's even tens of thousands more that are retired players who vested and could fall eligible into a scenario where, where, you know, post career insurance is, is available. And, 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 you know, the numbers that were ran during negotiations, I can't remember what the numbers were, but it was an extremely high number for both sides, you know, and, and, but I mean, when you're making, you know, nine billion and your take is seven, you know, is whatever is like, you know, four point five billion of it. You know, you think that there would be a way to, to figure that out and and um and have that be a a, a, a benefit to the players. And I, I think there's always going to be an argument for that. And I think you know the leadership of the union, whoever it is, whatever time in the league it's going to be, is something they're going to continue to look at, and continue to try to push, and you know, and hopefully it happens. Hopefully it does. And but I also know that as a president of the PA and that whatever whatever benefits and accomplishments that we gained through the collective bargaining agreement in 2011, they weren't for me. They weren't going to be, I wasn't going to benefit from them. It was going to be for the guys that came after me. And the game is better today than it was the day I came in. And it was better. And when I came in and it was back in the seventies and, and that's just the way it is. Um, you know, you don't ever go into a position of negotiations to see what I can get for myself, but you go into it with the idea of what can I do to make this game better for the guy that comes after me. You'll never hear me 20 years from now standing on a soapbox talking about I should be getting more because I played 16 years. I got what I got, and I, you know, and, and and I earned every bit of it. And do I wish I had a little bit more in terms of healthcare? Absolutely, but um, but I'm not going to be that guy that comes back and you know, beating a tambourine because I'm not getting paid like the players of today are. And um, I just think you go into understanding that that you know, the kids come in. 20 years, 10 years from now are going to be better off than the ones that when I came in. Last question for you. The NFL continues to be king in the United States. Record revenues, great TV ratings, lots of interest. But it really does seem like this latest uh, crisis of the last month or so has knocked the NFL off of its footing just a little bit. Is there anything including those negative headlines of late that can knock the league off of its perch? Or is it just such a juggernaut that uh, it's pretty much Teflon? I think it's, it's such a juggernaut that this top notch is going to be. Look, uh, the, the highest rated shows in, in American TV right now are Sunday night football, Monday night football, and Thursday night football. Right. <laughs> and even, even in spite of what happened in the last three weeks, last month, they still maintained the highest ratings of any TV, any programs on TV. And, and that's just what people, you know, for better or worse, you know, there are fans that are, are team fans. They don't care. They, you know, they like the individual players, but that player leaves and they're still a Dallas Cowboys fan or a Saints fan or, or what have you. And, and they're still going to come up and they're still going to show. And they're, there's their season tickets, you know, they're waiting to be bought or, you know, people waiting to buy season tickets, you know, the, you know, the, the list, the line of people waiting to get season tickets for any number of NFL teams is, is long and numerous. And so, you know, I think is, you know, barring any, 
you know, White Sox scandal where you throw the Super Bowl or something like that, um, I, I can't foresee an, a, a situation where the NFL loses its popularity um, like it has today. Well, Kevin Mawai, 16-year NFL veteran, also served as president of the NFL Players Association. He is a semifinalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2015. Kevin, how can people follow you on Twitter? I know that uh, you like tweeting occasionally. Yeah, follow me on Twitter at, at Kevin Mawai, um, K-E-V-I-N-M-A-W-A-E. Um, don't follow me on Instagram. I, I'll turn you down. Instagram's <laughs> <laughs> more for my my private family and, you know, and people that are close friends, but, uh, but follow me on Twitter. And, uh, you know, on Wednesday mornings, I do a, a, a radio segment here in Baton Rouge on 104.5, 104.9 ESPN Baton Rouge at center of the week with Kevin Y. And if you have Cox sports television on your cable, or they provide it, I do a Saturday morning pregame show for LSU live. And, um, so that's what I do. And, um, yeah, but follow me on Twitter, Kevin Y. Definitely will. Thank you so much for making the time. Like I said, I've always uh, appreciated your insight, and you had a pretty unique seat at the table as president of the NFL Players Association, so your insight right now is uh, very valuable, and I appreciate you making the time on Sports Business Radio. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, and uh, anytime. Love to be a party show again. Thanks, Kevin. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger, powered by Postano. Sophia Berger. I want to tell you about the Pixie Project. The Pixie Project matches pets to the right people. The Pixie Project takes pride in finding matches for both people and animals. The Pixie Project also offers low-cost veterinary assistance. My family worked with the Pixie Project to adopt our lovable puppy, Scotty. He's a great addition to our family. So if you get a dog or cat, kitten or puppy, you should go to the Pixie Project. To learn more about the Pixie Project, visit them at www.pixieproject.org. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Welcome back. We're here to put a bow on this edition of Sports Business Radio. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Kevin Mawai. Great insight from him. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, and Doug Zanger. Thanks to our friends at Pastano for powering Sports Business Radio. Follow them online at Pastano.com or on Twitter at Pastano. That's P-O-S-T-A-N-O. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast. Just go to iTunes or you can go to SportsBusinessRadio.com and click to the iTunes link. We're also on Stitcher. We're on TuneIn Radio, a number of different places. So if you Google us, you'll be able to find us. We've got 10 years worth of archives that you can listen to. So you can go back and listen to Sports Business Radio back in the day when we were just starting in 2004. Follow me on Twitter at SB Radio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. Hi, it's Brian Berger. Here at Sports Business Radio, we are proud to work with our partners, Pastano. They make a sports-proven visual marketing platform that I've personally been amazed to see. Teams like the Dallas Cowboys, Boston Red Sox, LA Kings, and Cleveland Cavaliers all use Pastano to engage their fans. 
When sports teams and fans tell their stories together, amazing things can happen. Every fan has a story. Whether you want to put selfies on the Jumbotron, create a dynamic social media command center, or activate a hashtag campaign on your website, Pistano can design an amazing social experience true to your brand. Even better, using the Pistano platform can pay for itself through selling sponsorships. As an example, the Kings sell sponsor space to Toyota and other clients and run the ads using Pistano. Want to see what your team's social content could look like? Schedule a demo today. Go to pistano.com slash sports. If you're a fan of this podcast, you understand the real power of engaging your fans. And these guys get it. That is P-O-S-T-A-N-O dot com. 